Good morning and happy Monday to you. Happy Halloween here on Roadmap to Heaven. I'm Adam Wright. It's good to be with you on this October 31st. We've got some wonderful things in store today, and none of them are spooky. Well, maybe being here with me is, but I don't know. Let's begin the day together in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I am uh, so happy to be with you this morning. We have a lot in store. Next week, this is one of those work-ahead weeks. You ever do that in school that... You know, you know you've got a big project coming up. You've got a, a big presentation coming up. And so you want to get ahead of the game. You want to be ready to go before it even gets there. That's this week on Roadmap to Heaven. Because next week on Sunday, we begin National Vocations Awareness Week. Now, originally I had thought, oh, we'll just do a bunch of vocations programming during National Vocations Awareness Week. And we may do some vocations programming next week. But... I'd like to get us on board with what vocations are before we even get to that week. I want to spend this week preparing so that we can spend next week witnessing out in our parishes. I want you to be ready to talk with your fellow parishioners, your friends, your neighbors, your family about vocations next week. I want you to be ready. So we're going to start that today. Uh, we've got someone. We've got four vocation directors this week. Talking about call, discernment, formation, and ongoing renewal of vocation. And it's going to be a beautiful thing this week. Today we also have for you, well, we've got that, and then we've got uh, Martinoni Monday. How could I forget Martinoni Monday? We're still talking about truth. What is truth? And some other goodies for you today on the show. I wanted to share with you this morning that as I was driving up here from the house, I glanced down at the dashboard and I remembered, oh yeah, we're at 900 or 99,200 and something miles on our car. And every time I get in, I, I look down and I say, okay, where are we closer? Are we closer? We don't put a lot of miles going back on the back and forth on the car. It's the van that gets the mileage. But I'm like, I want to see it. I hope I'm in the car when it rolls over to 100,000. And I bet you've been there just as I am right now. And I've actually done this with another car before, that you, you just want to watch it roll over. There's something special about watching it go from 999,000 or 99,999 miles to 100,000 miles, right? How ridiculous is that, that I'm waiting with bated breath to see the mileage on a car go from one number to the next? That doesn't really mean anything. But every day, God is working in our world around us. Am I, am I looking with as much anticipation and excitement about what is God doing in my life today as I am looking at the numbers on the dashboard of a car? You know, if I really want to see it go to 100,000, I should just go on a, a road trip here and then problem solved, right? But it would be so much better for me to look at what God is doing in my life than to look at the numbers on a dashboard. Just my two cents this morning. We've got a lot to get to on the show. We can't get to any of it until we get to Mike Roberts for the weather today. And given that it was kind of a yeah, yucky commute, I shall say, coming in with the rain and 
darkness. I am curious what the day has in store. So let's go to Mike Roberts now. Today is the feast day of St. Alphonsus Rodriguez. Born in Spain in 1533, Alphonsus was the son of a wool merchant. When he was still a boy, St. Peter Favor came to the town that he lived in, preached and stayed with the family, and helped Alphonsus get ready for his first communion. His father died when he was 14, so Alphonsus left school to work in the family business in order to help his mother make ends meet. In his 20s, he married a young woman named Maria, and they had a son, but he died. Not long after, Alphonsus and Maria had two more children, a boy and a girl, but then his wife, daughter, and mother died as well, leaving him alone with his one son, who a few years later also passed away. By the time he was 40, Alphonsus had lost all of those whom he loved most deeply. His response was to turn to a deeper journey with the Lord by joining the Jesuits. But that did not happen easily. Because he'd left school to work at such a young age, Alphonsus struggled in his studies and it took three attempts before he was finally accepted as a lay brother. He made his final vows at the age of 54 and made the most of the position the Jesuits gave him at the cottage of Majorca where he was a doorkeeper for 46 years. It was in this role that Alphonsus over time helped so many, for those coming to seek the advice of the fathers, for the seminarians on their journey to becoming fathers, and for the fathers themselves, all found Alphonsus to be a holy and wise influence, including a young man named Peter Claver, who sought his counsel on several matters, including the missions of South America. St. Alphonsus Rodriguez, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. I love talking about vocations. I love hearing different vocation stories. And here's the best part. Each and every one of us has a vocation in this life. And so this week we are going to speak about five different aspects of vocation. Our call, discerning that call, the formation we receive to live out that vocation, how we commit ourselves to that vocation, and then how we renew that each and every day of our lives. To kick things off, we're happy to have with us Father Dominic Rankin, a priest of the Diocese of Springfield in Illinois. And Father, it's very good to have you with us today. Happy to be back surfing the same airwaves as you are. All right. Father, today we want to talk about where vocations start with the call, that God has something in mind for us. I think of that passage in Jeremiah, I know the plans I have for you. And God knows the plans, but what are those plans? And how do we figure that out? Well, the first question we have to ask is, what is a call? And what do we mean when we say God has a calling for each and every one of us? Um, this is such a great question. I, I, I hope and pray that everyone listening can kind of take a second to just ask themselves that question. Like, what is God calling of me? Where is, where is God calling me? Where is the call that God has placed on my heart and has entrusted to my care? I think there's a couple of different sort of levels to that topic of, of being called. The church has spoken about the universal call to holiness, but then also uses it in terms of a particular vocation that we've been given, right? I think there's a couple, there's kind of a, a range in between those things of what the Lord's call is. In my mind, I guess I had three major sorts of levels, so to speak, to that call. Uh, that first one is the reality that God calls us simply to himself, simply in relation to himself. The second level, of course, is, as you referenced Jeremiah, 
you know, it's, and so many other characters in the Old Testament were called out of ourselves. You know, we're called to, to do something for the Lord, to go somewhere trusting the Lord. And then that third level of like a very specific call of the Lord giving me a particular vocation that I'm going to be made holy by. That, that's going to be the, the means that, uh, of my own sanctification and my own kind of faithfulness and, and fruitfulness in doing the Lord's work. I don't know how you want to kind of dive into that, that large topic, but there's a lot there. So, Well, I, I think a, a common question that people ask about when we talk about calling and vocation, what's the difference between a calling or a vocation and a job. You know, for instance, I know you work as an assistant to the bishop, you work as a master of ceremonies, I work as a radio host, my wife works as a nurse, some people work as doctors, some as account managers, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And those are all worthy professions, but not necessarily callings. You know, God called you to be a priest, not necessarily always in the role that you are in now, but always in that role of a priest. How do we differentiate between the two? I think the way that we see the difference is that a job is only going to ask some part of ourselves, right? Some part of our day, some part of our time. It's going to ask of us this particular skill or this particular, you know, characteristic or, or, or strength that we have. Whereas a call, a vocation, captivates us in our entirety. And this is where the Lord has given me that call, that vocation of being a priest. I'm a priest 24-7 just as you are a, a father or a spouse 24-7, right? There's this sense of, like, even when you're not doing things that are fatherly or doing things that are priestly or doing this work or that job, you still have this identity as the vocation that you've been, you've been given. As we think about that, that a vocation, a call, is something that we are going to live 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, and a job or a profession is not necessarily the case is it always the case, though, that our jobs or our professions would help us to live out our calling in some way, shape, or form? I think that a job can always play a role in that work of, of sanctifying us, right? Even when a father of a family goes to a job that he really doesn't enjoy, you know what I mean? He's kind of, he's sacrificing himself for his family. The job makes ends meet. It's not the greatest task in the world. Maybe it's boring. Maybe it's hard. Maybe it's, it's sacrificial in some way. And, you know, you could, you could ask the question of, should you find a different job? And that's kind of a different question, right? But the reality is that that job is, is part of his being a father, is sacrificing himself right then and, and there by holding down that means of employment. And that the Lord can work through even the most mundane or, or kind of strange or, or boring of tasks at hand to not only provide for his family, but also to sanctify his own heart and soul, uh, to make him a more virtuous man and a, and a more, more holy father. Father, I think the most important question before we wrap up here today, and again, tomorrow we're going to talk about discerning God's call, but before we can even begin to discern God's call, we have to find a way to hear God's call. And so for many of us listening today, perhaps we've already found that. Again, you've been ordained a priest. I have been married for 13 years. But what about those listeners out there still asking that question, what is God calling me to? How do they begin to listen for the answer to that? Yeah, John Paul II wrote a beautiful letter to young people, and he used the story of the rich young man to unfold this beautiful mystery of one's own call. And he said that, that at the very beginning, what do we see? The young man runs to Jesus, and there's something stirring in his heart that, that brings him there, right? There's some yearning that says, I want more out of life than just the possessions I have, right? He's rich, he's got what it takes, you know? And even just 
the practices that I follow, right? I follow the commandments, Lord. You know, like he's already grown from that maturity of having many things, but also then living out of them in a, in a good and wholesome way, in a holy way, right? By, by abiding by the commandments. But the Lord is going to call him deeper, right? And this is where all of our calls kind of, where they all find their roots is, is not just that receiving love from God and not just giving it away in kind of a, a generic way or in a general way, but the Lord's going to, because we're open by that previous kind of trajectory, right? That By that maturation and, and just following the, the laws of the Lord and learning generosity and learning faithfulness and learning sacrifice, right? Once we've got those things in place, now our hearts are the fertile ground where the Lord can place that particular seed, right? That, that particular spark, that particular idea of like, I called you to this thing, this one task that only you can do in my kingdom, right? John Henry Newman has that beautiful line, a beautiful phrase where the Lord's entrusted to me some particular task, you know, that only I can do as part of his, his plan for, for the salvation of the world. And it's, it's when we've prepared the ground, right? And we allow the Lord's grace to sort of sink down deep in, in drawing out of us that, that generosity and that, that relationship with him, right? Once we've got those things in place, now we're the, the person that's open and available uh, to hear his voice when he does speak that word of inviting us you know, into the adventure of the particular call that, that he has in mind for us. Father, this has been a wonderful start to our week. Could I ask you to lead us in a prayer, uh, specifically for those who are still trying to hear God's call, what he is calling them to in their lives as we conclude our time together? Yeah, for sure. Let's begin here in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus, this day we ask you to speak into our hearts that same phrase, that same word, that same call that you spoke to so many of your apostles. Come, follow me. We ask you, Lord, to prepare our hearts to receive those words, to be the kind of hearts, the kind of people uh, that can give our yes readily with joy, with freedom, with hope, with confidence to that question from you. Lord, we ask you to show us already uh, the glimpses of joy and of goodness that you promise to those who are willing to follow where you lead. We ask, Lord, to accompany us on that journey, step by step, day by day, Lord. Uh, lead us, lead every single person, especially those, Lord, that are seeking you, that desire to follow you but don't know where to go. Lord, speak those words of your love again into their heart and allow them this day to stay faithful in the very next step that you place before them. And by those means, Lord, draw them into the great and beautiful life of someone who has said yes to your call. We thank you, Lord, for that gift that you entrust to each and every one of us. We ask we might be faithful in carrying it out this and every day. We praise and thank the Heavenly Father for this and all his many blessings. As we pray glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, Lord, without end. Amen. Father Rankin, we want to thank you for being with us on Roadmap to Heaven today. We are going to take a quick break here. Don't go anywhere. Prayer before a crucifix. Good and sweetest Jesus, before thy face I humbly kneel, and with the greatest fervor of spirit I pray and beseech thee to fix deep in my heart lively sentiments of faith, hope, and charity, true sorrow for my sins, and a firm purpose of amendment, while I consider thy five most precious wounds, having before my eyes the words of David the prophet concerning thee, my Jesus. They have pierced my hands and my feet. They have numbered all my bones. 
John Martinoni is the president and founder of the Bible Christian Society, and we're always happy to speak with him on a Monday morning. We've been talking about truth for the past few weeks, and John, today we get to talk about religious truths, because how many times have you and I heard it said about our Catholic Christianity? Well, you know, that's just one path among many, and if that's what's true for you, then good for you, but who are you to tell the other people that believe other things that that's not true for them? Yes, and I hear that all the time as well, Adam. I know many, many people who are trying to to evangelize hear that same thing, many Catholics, and many Christians when they're trying to to evangelize other other non-Christian faiths. But here's the thing. There has to be a truth in religion, because if you look at it, well, there's all these paths to the same place. Really? So when the Hindu says there's many gods... And a Jew and a Christian and a Muslim say there's only one God, that's all okay? I mean, they contradict each other. This is getting back to what we talked about a couple weeks ago, the principle of non-contradiction. You have all these contradictions in what are so-called religious truths for the Hindus, the Buddhists, the Muslims, the Christians, the Jews, etc., etc. Well, if one quote-unquote truth contradicts another quote-unquote truth, at least one of those, asked, one is true and one is not. You know, again, what, what I said, I guess, a couple weeks ago is that how when the priest consecrates the bread and wine, it either is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, or it's not. One of those is a religious truth. Both of them cannot be religious truths. So, when you get into these discussions, you have to find the contradictions. And, you, you know, a lot of people say, well, we need to start with what we have in common. Yeah, well, yeah, you can do that, but you've got to get very quickly to where things contradict. If you have, again, a, a religious relativist, it's, it's all the same. You know, Baptist, Catholic, Episcopalian, Muslim, Hindu, they're all the same. No, they're not. Truth matters. You know, Jesus said, we started off this series with Pontius Pilate's question to Jesus, what is truth? Well, Jesus said, for this I was born, for this I came into the world, to bear witness to the truth. He who is of the truth hears my voice. So for Catholics, for Christians, it's very important that we teach people the truth. And then I'll just limit it right now, the rest of my comments, to Christian truth. What is Christian truth? You know, a lot of Catholics I hear say, well, you know, my son left the Catholic Church, but he's going to a Baptist church, so that's okay, because it's Christian. It doesn't matter. Like, no, he left the Eucharist. He, he left the sacraments. He, he left the priesthood. He, he left the communion of saints. And so they say, but it's all the same. I say, how can it be all the same? Do you believe—and I'll ask them, do you believe when you receive the host that it's the body and blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ? And they'll say, yes. I say, well, your son— he doesn't believe that. So one of you is right, one of you is wrong. So there has to be a truth here. And Jesus says the truth is important. Jesus connects the truth to salvation. Don't you want to figure this one out? Either you need to be Baptist or your son needs to come back to the Catholic Church. Uh, and people start realizing, oh, I never thought of it that way. So there is religious truth. And again, using the principle of contradiction or non-contradiction, when you start showing the contradictions in all these religions, you realize 
not all of them can be true. Wherever there's contradiction, you know, there's falsehood. So we've got to get rid of the false and stick to the true. And the true religion as Catholics, we could, we believe and we have great evidence we can show that the Catholic truth contains the fullness of religious truth that God has given us, the Catholic religion. Well, John, I love that principle of non-contradiction. And next week we're going to share... Well, I've got a little story to share where I first encountered that principle, and a spoiler alert, it was not in a philosophy class. But until then, I want to thank you for being with us to talk about religious truth today. And if you want to find out more about John's work with the Bible Christian Society, be sure to visit BibleChristianSociety.com. There you have it. We will be back after this. Prayer for Charity O my Jesus, Thou art very true love, and kindled in my heart the divine fire, which consumes the saints and transforms them into you. O Lord our God, we offer thee our hearts, united in the strongness and most sincere love of brotherhood. We pray that Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament may be the daily food of our souls and bodies, that Jesus may be established as the center of our affections, even as he was for Mary and Joseph. Finally, O Lord, may sin never disturb our union on earth, And may we be eternally united in heaven with thee and Mary and Joseph and with all the saints. Amen. Our catechist question on this All Hallows' Eve, what are the requirements for being a saint? What are the requirements for being a saint? Do you know? You know that we we think of those many things like the uh, being declared venerable servant of God. Uh, or servant of God, someone of heroic virtue, having miracles attributed to your intercession, you know, being declared blessed, beatified, being canonized. Those are all things on the path to canonized sainthood. But really, it's, it's kind of a trick question because while there are many canonized saints, and every canonized saint is a saint, there are saints who have not been canonized by the church. We can't know all of the saints um, it hasn't been revealed to us. It will, God willing, one day when we go to heaven. Well, actually, I, I, if I have my uh, theology correct, at the general judgment, we'll know who all the saints are and whether they were canonized by the church or not. We'll know who they are because we'll all be separated, right? But the requirement to become a saint is to die in a state of grace and then be in heaven. So if you stop along pur- along the way in purgatory, you know, you do. You have to have that time for temporal Remission of sin, but then you still go to heaven. That's the requirement. Die in a state of grace and go to heaven, right? It's pretty simple, except until you try to live that out every day, then it's not very simple. Living a life of holiness can be incredibly difficult, incredibly challenging, and incredibly hard. But the beautiful thing about this is, and I'm one of the first ones to say it, don't, please, please, please don't canonize me a saint at my uh, funeral, Pray for me. I'm I'm probably going to need your prayers. But we have hope that our loved ones who have gone before us marked with the sign of faith are awaiting us in the kingdom of heaven. We come to the end of the month of October today, but it's the beginning of a new week on the Daily Dose of Encouragement. Patty Schneier, what topic do we have in store for us this week? Well, this week I want to talk about making a good confession. 
And a lot of these thoughts from the week are going to come from a devotional book that I read every day called In Conversation with God. So this comes, if you're wondering nowhere, this comes from In Conversation with God. It's a devotional that I've been reading for many years. And one of my favorite quotes from Paul the Six regards confession. And I have found this in my own life to be true. He said, the moments of a sincere confession may well be amongst the sweetest, the most comforting, and the most decisive moments in life. That is so true. So probably the most decisive moment in my adult life occurred in confession. And again, I can tell you exactly when it was, January 25th, 2002. I can tell you the exact time, one o'clock in the afternoon. I can remember the priest. I can remember what he said to me. And I can remember the penance that he gave me. It was to read Psalm 51. I've never forgotten that confession. So making a good confession is really, really important. It can be one of the sweetest moments in your life. So here's the first encouragement I want to give to people. The first one is this. Don't ignore the prompting of the Holy Spirit to go. If you feel just a nudge of, I should go to confession, man, right then and there, stop, pause. Don't ignore that thought, that random thought that just sped through your brain. Go. Secondly, prepare Sit in front of the Blessed Sacrament and just say, Lord, show me my sin. Very powerful prayer. And then when you're shown your sin, ask yourself, why do I do this? Not only just what it is that you've done, but actually prepare by going to confession, by asking yourself and asking God to show you, why do I do this? So that helps you maybe to get to the root. Is it pride? Is it jealousy? Is it my impatience? Is it vanity? Is it gluttony? Is it lust? Show me the sin behind my action. That's just how we can prepare for a good confession. So first and foremost, let's start the week off by don't ignore the prompting to to go and then prepare by asking God to show you your sin and then why you do the things you do. How providential that this is our topic this week as we prepare for our first Saturday devotions where the Blessed Mother asks us to make that monthly confession. So this will be a fantastic preparation as we prepare to go. The other day we were driving in our van, probably to a practice or to a game or home from school. I lose track of it. We spend so much time in the van. And I remember distinctly that one of our younger kids said something about, um, you know, oh, did you know fortune tellers can tell the future? And before I could chime in, one of the older kids said, hey, fortune telling is against our religion because only God is God, you know. And I was like, all right, well, they got that. They got, you know, in fact, they went on to say it's against the first commandment. It's like, you go, you go, you know, and uh, it was a wonderful thing. I bring that up because tonight it, we're entering new territory as a parent. For the first time in our parenting life, we're going to let one of our kids go off with his friends for trick-or-treating tonight and uh, so pray for us we're a little you know a little nervous about this we've never done this before we've always said no well, you have to stay with us but he's at that age that it's okay and we're sending him with a phone and this and that and we've talked to the other parents and we kind of have a plan for parental supervision and who's going to be with the kids at what point in time and so on and so forth but it brings to mind that you know there are a lot of things 
that we love to joke about on this day. You know, we had our block party last night. We were walking up and down the block talking to different neighbors, enjoying each other's company with fire pits out in the street. It was making s'mores. It was a beautiful night. But some people have the really spooky decorations up, and nothing against the really spooky decorations. I like I like Halloween decorations, but it's this reminder for us that we don't want to have an overly attached uh, fascination with the occult or with the, the supernatural or, or the demonic. We, we need to have an ordered relationship with it. As we've talked about before, you know, a, a good relationship with our guardian angel and asking for our guardian angel's protection every day, going to our Lord every day in prayer. As Father just reminded us, if we don't have the supernatural aspect, you know, things fall apart. But we don't want to dabble in things that are dangerous. And this is one of those days of the year that sometimes it comes up, well, is it really all that harmful to do that? Is it really that bad? Uh, the, the answer is yes. The answer is yes. You know, I was, making, um, I was making soup yesterday, and I had boiling stock on the stove because of the way I make my soup, and I'm getting ready to add a couple more ingredients to it. And you have to be careful because you don't want to drop the, like the vegetables, those carrots and bell peppers and celery from too high up, or you're going to splash boiling water all over yourself. But you also don't want to reach too close and, and then have your hand touch the boiling stock either. It's about that proper relationship, that proper distance and, and keeping things in proper order. And it's the same way with the spirit, spiritual life and the supernatural life. We don't want to be so far away from it that we don't realize what's going on around us. But we also don't want to be so close to the things that can hurt us that they have the opportunity to hurt us. Here's the moral of the story. Go to confession regularly. Ask for the intercession of your guardian angel every morning for their protection every morning and every evening, that beautiful angel of God prayer. And go to confession regularly. I can't stress that enough. Go to Mass. Receive our Lord in Holy Communion. Draw close to our Lord. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our Lady, Queen of all saints, pray for us. And St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We are not going to have a show tomorrow morning for the Holy Day of Obligation. We'll have Mass for you, but remember, tomorrow is a day of obligation. You have to get to Mass for Covenant Network. I'm Adam Wright. Pray your rosary today.